Are you a node investor just looking to learn the basics without paying a ton of money or spending a ton of hours online or in a course? Well, we have a great solution for you. We have a video series that covers 20 different topics with each video being less than 15 minutes. This means less fluff and direct to the content. To learn more, head to www.jkpholdings.com slash beginner dash series to learn more. Again, jkpholdings.com slash beginner dash series to learn more. Really good money, but I hated it. So uh, right around 2004, I, I really started educating myself. I started learning uh, about owner financing. I started learning about landlording versus lien lording. And I could tell that my personality kind of veered towards owner financing, towards notes, towards lien lording. And I finally took the leap November of 2015. Uh, first deal generated me over $80,000 in upfront profit and a $400 monthly spread for the next 30 years. And I was absolutely hooked. Wow. Uh, it took me a long time. It took me nine months to, to realize that deal. And um, it, to me, it was the litmus test. If, if I could do this once, then in my mind, I could do it again and again and again and again. So if I was able to, to produce it once, then that was enough for me to quit my job. So that, that very day when we closed on that property, went ahead and submitted my two weeks notice. My, my boss obviously wasn't very happy because we, we were producing really, really well. Uh, but I knew 80 hours a week was not for me. So I started off like a lot of owner finance investors, buying the home, fixing it up or cleaning it up and then selling it, uh, carrying the note. As we started growing in 2016, Started, I started noticing two problems. One, the problem was there was only so much inventory that I could handle. Uh, maybe you can handle more, but uh, there was only so much inventory I could handle. For us, it was about three to five homes at a time. So, so we needed to kind of sell one before we could get another one. Yeah. And through our marketing, we started acquiring, coming in contact with these really, 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 really great buyers. I just didn't have the home they were looking for. So they had a great down payment. They had great ability to make payments. Maybe they didn't have a social, maybe they were self-employed, you know, maybe they had bad credit, whatever, but they had a great down payment. They had a great um, ability to make payments. We just didn't have their home. They wanted something newer, bigger, um, two stories. They wanted a certain zip code. They wanted a certain you know, school district. Mm -hmm. And I started scratching my head and I'm like, how can we capture these mm -hmm. buyers? And it was right around 2017, late 2017, early 2018, that a, a light bulb literally hit me. And, and I realized the problem is not inventory, Dave. There's 10,000 homes for sale on the MLS. So why am I focusing on trying to build up our inventory to bring to the market? Inventory did, did not seem to be the problem for us. The problem was finance, you know, how to acquire the money. And of course, I started kind of researching and there's not a whole lot of banks who will lend you to wrap their money. Um, so, so that really wasn't an avenue, but then I was introduced to the wonderful world of self-directed IRAs. And I was introduced to you know, the, the nearly $13 trillion of money that's sloshing around 
and self-directed IRAs, people wanting uh, stabilized, predictable returns. Um, at least the people that we came in contact with, they, they didn't necessarily want a higher return. They, they just, they, they were approaching the retirement years. You know, they were between 45, uh, 50, 55, maybe 60 years old. They wanted something stable. They had already built, you know, half million dollar nest egg, million dollar nest egg, $2 million nest egg. But they just didn't want to go through a huge loss in the market. So they were looking for something a little bit more stabilized. So now what we do about 70% of our business is we start with the buyer first. We make a determination of their real world ability to repay based upon their initial investment and their income and their liabilities. Once we make a determination of their real world ability to repay, we go ahead and raise the necessary capital for them to purchase their homes with owner finance terms. I'm very proud of the notes that we built for them. Uh, 30 year mortgages, no balloons, no prepayment penalties, no mortgage insurance, obviously. Uh, we don't mark up the home either, which is important. There's a few other investors that have popped up in, in the industry. And what they'll do is they'll buy the home and then they'll mark it up 10, 15, 20, 30. I've seen even up to 50%. I guess there's nothing really wrong with that model, except that the buyer's upside down from day one. So refinancing is, is nearly impossible for at least you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. We don't mark up the home. Uh, we simply focus on the, on the funding of the, uh, of the transaction for them. So that's the book of what we're doing. We're still a small family owned and operated business. We do about four or five deals uh, a month in Texas. Uh, our average deal is about $320,000. We'll do anything between 150 up to 1.2 million. And what's really nice is that we're now in the owner finance world, but we're in the pretty homes. You know, these are beautiful homes, great neighborhoods. If we ever get them back, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be happy, you know, to, to uh, you know, own them. These, these are beautiful homes and, and great, great neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're doing now. And, and uh, I guess it is a little bit different than most owner finance transactions. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So you covered your price point. Um, how did you get up to that? Like, I'm assuming you started out lower and went up higher. And, and if that's the case, why? Not Why necessarily. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily. So when, so there, there, there's a lot of inventory. I'll use that term. There's, there's quite a few owner finance, you know, sellers and investors mm -hmm. in the 100 to $200,000 range. And most of them are happy with 10% down. So if somebody is wanting that range, they're not going to like our 20% requirement. And there's quite a few out there that they can, that they can kind of go to. Um, the reason a lot of owner finance investors stay in the one hundred to two hundred thousand dollar range is because they are trying to make the mortgage payment be equal to or similar to market rents mm -hmm. at a nine, ten, eleven percent interest rate. And, and the it. math tells you that once you go over the one seventy five, one eighty five, one ninety five, two hundred thousand dollar range, if you're going to keep, you know, your nine, ten, eleven percent interest rate, mm -hmm. and it's going to be comparable to market rents you're kind of going to be capped off. Now, our perspective is, is we're going to let you buy whatever home you can afford. We, we approach it more like a bank or a mortgage company. This is our interest rate. It's currently 9%. Mm -hmm. So um, you want the $300,000 home, knock yourself out. We don't care. You got 20% cash to close. We don't care. So our mortgage payments are nowhere near market rents. I mean, it's just the mortgage yeah. payment. It's just the cost of owning your home. Mm -hmm. So we approach it you know, from, from that kind of, um, 
that kind of perspective and and we're we're very we're very successful i would say about 65 percent of our clients even though they bring 20 percent, they really have 40 to 50 percent liquid cash um, about 65 70 percent are itin buyers they don't have a social security number in this country but they're affluent they're already paying three four five thousand dollars in rent wow. in the neighborhoods that they want to buy so it, it isn't necessarily a, a a sticker shock the other advantage for for us from a from a psychological perspective and your audience may know this or, or they might not but most of our buyers being from Mexico, Central America, and Latin America, in Latin American countries, interest rates right now is anywhere between 35 to 50% a year. Holy smoke. So when you're giving them 9% interest rate, they're happy. <laughs> they're not going to say, they're not going to, they're going to thank you. They're going to thank you. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be happy that now you've given them, you know, the opportunity to buy the home that they want, not this wow. limited inventory of, uh, of properties. You're solving a problem. In the ultimate sense, you're giving them a home that they want, where they want to live. Mm -hmm. They just can't qualify for either A, the social security situation, mm -hmm. or B, they don't have the paperwork needed to close on it or whatnot that a bank wouldn't do it. And you're supplementing that situation. Yeah. And we let them know, we, we disclose up front, we're not going to force you to refinance. There's no balloons, mm -hmm. but most of our clients are refinancing in about 18 months. Um, wow. If, 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 uh, if they choose to, to attempt to do so. And we're okay with that. I, I tell them all the time, it's like, listen, we know we're not wife material. We're not long-term marriage material. <laughs> we're like your short-term girlfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we, we, we might end up being your one night stand. I don't care. We, we know yeah. where we're at. I'm not offended. Uh, <laughs> we're giving you what you want, which is we're letting you buy your home. We're getting you in the door. And we, we fully know that once you're in the door, you're going to try it very hard to improve your situation. And we're totally okay with that. Are you reporting to credit viewers? Can I help mm -hmm. them out getting their credit? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're doing third-party note servicing. Uh, we're giving them 1098s at the end of the year so they can write out uh, all of the interest that they've paid on their taxes. We're escrowing taxes and insurance. Our, our paper is, is beautiful. We're creating QM um, transactions, QM loans. Um, For those who don't know, that's qualified mortgages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, qualified mortgages. We try to stay uh, under 47% DTI. Uh, we're pretty open-minded when it comes to underwriting how- Just everyone knows that, that means debt to, in, debt to income for those who don't yeah. know, sorry. Yeah, debt to income <laughs> for sure. So, so I, I love, I mean, I'm very proud of our paper. I, yeah. If I was in the note buying business, I would buy our paper. It's, mm -hmm. it's very, very, uh, very nice. So how difficult is it to find these borrowers? How much work is it on the upfront to get to hold these people to, you know, to get your clients? Mm -hmm. Great question. So we made a mistake and it took us about a year to realize it was a mistake. And the mistake that we did is we were trying to get to them directly. We were trying to find mm -hmm. them directly. And what we found is that the vast majority are terribly unqualified. I mean, for every thousand leads that we would get, uh, about 950 were complete junk. And, and then I, I don't mean that derogatively from the person's perspective, but they had no money, no credit, total lack of preparation. They, they thought that, you know, we are better than FHA, lower interest rate. I mean, just, just no common sense as to, uh, you know, who we were. 
And we corrected that mistake when we came to the realization that the quality owner finance buyers, and for us, quality is those who have at least 20% initial investment and ability to make payments. They might not be educated from, from a scholarly perspective because many are not, but they're smart enough to go to real estate agents. So, you know, nugget for all of you guys that, that want to find the quality owner finance buyers, if that's, that's your audience, go to real estate agents, talk to them. They are the ones that have the contact information. The, the people who have down payments uh, go to real estate agents. And sadly, real estate agents usually don't know what to do with them. They'll do an MLS search. Mm -hmm. They'll give them a list of 10, 12 homes in their city that offers seller carry or, or seller financing or owner financing or whatever it is in your state. And, um, and usually these will be, you know, just regular owner finance investors or sellers with the price point of 100 to 175, $200,000. Um, but when they can come, when that, when that's not the kind of home they're looking for, then, you know, we're, we make sure that we're there through social media presence and, uh, cold calling. We recently mm. purchased the list of every licensed real estate agent in Texas. They are currently being called and um, nice. uh, connected with. If anyone wants to know, it's about 160,000 of them in Texas. Um, it wasn't cheap to get, <laughs> you know, but um, that's, that's where our quality <laughs> buyers are at. <laughs> it's an interesting play. Nathan, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, most of, because Nathan's bought more of the lease and CFDs than I have. What's your yeah. thought of that strategy? What's your thoughts here? I think that's really good. Um, we were talking just before we got on the call that down payment is key. Um, so when I started doing seller finance way back when, uh, I was doing at initially no down payment. Oh, that didn't work out well at all. Um, and and part of it was because of of the kind of houses that we had like these were these were houses that i i had kind of inherited uh mm -hmm. that were very run down we had no operating budget to fix anything up so we were just selling them as is so because of that we didn't feel like we could really do a, a large down payment um but we quickly learned that uh that we needed something so in those beginning days um i would get it was just three times whatever the monthly payment was so if it was a 500 hundred dollar monthly payment then it down payments 1500 mm. uh, and that was kind of our our initial model and that helped out um quite a bit in just uh, like you say getting quality people and are you still in, in, quality, in houses. The, the quality houses um are you still in in that in that business model of of uh, owner financing um kind of dump roofs? occasionally i don't do okay. a lot of seller finance anymore but mm. sometimes May, may I share something that has worked with us because we're still buying, yeah, you know, inventory. Sure. Uh, sure. When it comes to, to the dumper roos, uh, what we do is the home is not livable. Yeah. We understand that. So um, we originate basically a non-owner non occupied hard money loan for them. Yeah. Mm. So this totally avoids all Dodd-Frank, Safe Act, you know, rules sure. and regulations. And if anyone has any questions, it's like, well, you can't live in that. Obviously, you know, it's a dump. So what we'll do is we'll do a, um, a, a three-month loan okay. with, with almost no money down, but they have to have cash in the bank to fix it up. Okay. And basically, it's a very short-term, three-term. If the progress has been made, we'll extend it to six months. Mm -hmm. We'll extend it to nine months. 
and we'll extend it to 12 months. And the goal is very simple. Within 12 months, the home has to be fixed up in an unlivable condition. If they have met those conditions, then we'll do a long-term owner-occupied, um, fully, you know, Dodd-Frank Safe Act, uh, regulatory mm -hmm. compliant, long-term uh, mortgage for them. But that prevents us from being locked in long-term yeah. in a, with an unqualified person in an unqualified home, I guess I'll say that in a, in a, in a dump. Yeah. So oh, we'll do that with, with ours. Um, now I heard you do lease options. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So my lease options, what I do with those is I will pick up a lease option and because they're not as marketable, I, I, I buy to resell. So because okay. they're not as marketable to resell, I will actually convert them over to, uh, depending on the state, land contract, contract for deed, agreement for deed, bond for deed, whatever you're going to call it, depending on where you're Bond for deed. I've never heard that. That's I only Louisiana. operate in Texas, so is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana and one other state that I don't remember. Anyway. Um, Learned something new today? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, then I'll, I'll convert them over. Uh, and then when we're writing that paper, whatever, typically they've been in that lease, that lease option contract for a year or more. So we'll use whatever they've paid um, and I'll be specific, We're, we'll use whatever equity that they've accumulated <clears throat> as their down payment uh, going forward. So that's how we- So we do lease options as well. I, I don't like to um, promote them, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll share the way we do, we do lease options. If you have a minimum 10% mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. and your DTI is 42% or less. So again, that to me is a somewhat safer position right uh we'll extend a lease option uh if they believe that they can either a qualify for a conventional mortgage within three years mm -hmm. or save up the necessary money for the other 10 percent to close them on a 20 percent down payment um, owner finance transaction now this is where for us the cash flow is phenomenal the monthly payment is based upon what the mortgage payment would be if the interest rate was 12%. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're making massive cash flow during that time frame. And I, and I tell them, you know, the reason I'm setting it up like this is I, I, I want your situation to improve later on. Mm -hmm. I, I want this to be the highest payment you're ever going to have to make. Mm -hmm. And I want there to be an incentive for you to improve your situation, either by raising the necessary capital to uh, close as an owner finance transaction, in which case, the payment will drop because we're going to close you right now at 9% instead right. of 12% yeah. or conventional, in which case it'll really drop, you know, if, if you get, you know, 3%, 4%, 5% interest rate. Yeah. And same thing. So I, I'm buying the lease option. It's already an existing lease option. Um, but because they're not very marketable, I can get them at a pretty good discount. Mm. Then like you're saying, it's at like an 11 or 12%. So I'll approach them and say, listen, here's, here's what you're set up at right now. I'll give it to you for 9%. If you can qualify at a bank, you can get four or 5% and save a ton of money. Yeah. But, but at the very least, uh, let me save you some money. We'll convert you over to a land contract at these terms and uh, our contract for deed, whatever. And, uh, and it's usually a, you know, no brainer. They'll go for that in a hot second. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so, I love this. Yeah. So when, when you're working with these borrowers, what is the biggest hurdle that you come across? From a very early initial qualification 
or, or well, from or either early or on that process of, you know, what are some of the things that either maybe they still want the house after a while? What are some mm -hmm. of the things that you struggle with that are that hurdles? Yeah. Yeah. So the first hurdle, like kind of way before, we still have to go through quite a bit of people to find 20% people. Mm. I am totally okay with that hurdle because I, 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 if I'd rather do, you know, three, four or five deals a month that I feel very confident will perform than doing 15, 20, 30 that I'm very confident will probably not perform. Yeah. Um, so that's a personal preference. There, there's some people who love volume and, and, and love to, you know, just, just hit that ball, you know, and, and, and pray, you know, something will stick. I'm very risk averse, very risk averse. So, so from that perspective, that's one of our biggest hurdles. We do have to go through a lot of people, even though you know we're getting our leads from real estate agents. Um, the second hurdle before the closing um, is um, if they're self-employed folks and they know what interest rates with banks are today, the nine percent interest rate is yeah. is a is a definite you know mental hurdle. And again, you got to remember. We're dealing homes in the, in the 300, 350, 400, 450, $500,000 range. So not, not, not sure an interest rate is a hefty monthly payment mm -hmm. when converted to dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll either say, whoa, my payment is going to be five grand when I can just rent for three in the same neighborhood, which may be true. Yeah. Or, and my, why are you offering 9% when, you know, the banks are right now offering 3%. That usually is is um overcome simply by talking to them and saying listen it doesn't matter if interest rates are zero percent right now if they're not accessible to you that's just not something you have an option that, that's just not with, within your options you know it's it's like if if you're married to a beautiful woman and there are these other beautiful single women you can't go date them you should not go date them. I mean, <laughs> um, they're not available to you. You know, you're yeah. you're married. That's that's what's available to you right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Um, the the other the other approach that that I would say is, listen, how much are you paying right now in rent? Well, you know, three thousand dollars a month. Great. What's the interest rate on that rent? And that just like throws them off. They're like, uh, what do you mean interest rate? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What's the interest rate on your rent payment? And they, of course, they can't say. And I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you a secret. It's so high, they can't even legally call it interest rate anymore. They have to give it a totally new name and call it rent. <laughs> Is the payment ever going to end? No. Is it ever going to go down? No. Congratulations. You're paying 100% interest rate. Mm -hmm. That's what you're paying. Now, yeah. it's so immoral what you're paying right now that legally they can't even call it interest rate they have to give it a totally new name so that you think of it in a different way mm -hmm. now i'm sorry i can't get you down to three percent i'm sorry but mm -hmm. i can't take you down to nine percent from a hundred percent can you just be grateful yeah yeah you know yeah oh percent. <laughs> you know? i'm yeah. sorry I, I i can't do i can't do nine you know three percent yeah. But I can do nine, you know, can, yeah. can you just shut up and be grateful, you know? <laughs> and you guys typically hold your loans long-term. Yes, I'm not selling any to you. There are none. Right? <laughs> and you're, you're typically hold these loans long-term, but what is a typical time frame for these buyers or borrowers to get out? Is it 18 months, two years, five years? So it depends. Uh, we have two kind of 
pots, um, about 62, 65, 67% are ITIN buyers. ITIN buyers don't have a social security number in this country. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be very hard for them to, to, to refinance until they reach a 30% equity position, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I mean, I don't know, houses are appreci- appreciating pretty quickly in Texas now, but it might be five years, six years, seven years. I mean, mathematically. Mm-hmm. Um, the 18 month um, refinance rate are on our self-employed pool. Basically, whenever they get the two years, the tax returns, if their credit is where it needs to be, um, you know, they'll have the equity position, they'll have the two years of tax returns, they'll probably have the income. And, right. uh, you know, refinancing is, is about 18 months. And they'll have the credit, because if you're reporting to the credit bureaus, it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, we are reporting nice. to credit bureaus. If they want us, um, we do have a few, about maybe maybe two, three, four percent, where they have great credit, great income, W-2, they could get a bank loan. But for privacy reasons, they come to us. Wow. Privacy reasons, they come to us. Um, the largest deal that we've got in our portfolio is $1.2 million. And I am almost 100% certain that the lady that was there with the gentleman was not his wife. Gotcha. And um, there, there is no evidence that that home belongs to the gentleman. Interesting. And I'll keep my mouth shut on that. <laughs> it's just business. Yeah, yeah. We had another another lady. Um, she her story was that she really wanted to make sure there was there was privacy. Uh, you know that that home didn't appear on her on her on her credit on legal documents on nothing. Uh, she her story was that she was running away from an abusive, you know, boyfriend mm-hmm. from South Carolina, North Carolina, so, somewhere in the Carolinas, and. Um, about a year after we closed with her, just, just one of those things that you're like, let me do a little research on this lady. There was something in the back of my head that just didn't really sit well with me. And I, I, I stopped when I got the gut feeling that she may be a fugitive of the law. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think she was running away from an abusive boyfriend. I think she was the abusive girlfriend. <laughs> and the boyfriend may be sleeping somewhere six feet underground. Oh, Sometimes so you so, just don't ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> and you shared something with offline that was really intriguing because we had just had on, call the underwriter on and whatnot. You guys go through that process of vetting these people out. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they talked about on our, our weekly, they vet it out and you can vet it all the people for 200 bucks. And if they approve, then you're going to go find the home for them mm-hmm. versus I have a home. Let me bring in these borrowers and let me pre-approve them then, but I'm holding the home mm-hmm. and waiting for someone to come to it. You're doing the opposite, complete opposite. Complete. You're finding the borrowers, pre-approving who could be approved, who wouldn't be approved by NMLS, and then saying, okay, let's go find the home that you want. Mm-hmm. I would think that's yeah. probably easier than the other way around in some cer- circumstances. Cer- certainly in our circumstances, in our in our you know business model, it's, it's 100% better because I'm dealing with pretty homes. There is zero holding cost because I've already got a person who liked and approved and is going to close on the home and is going to perform from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually not finding their home. We're not real estate agents. They came from real estate agents. And that's the reason real estate agents love working with us because once we approve them very much like a mortgage company, we send them right back to them. And then their work begins and they get, these are fully commissionable transactions for them. Mm-hmm. So they do the work of finding the home that suits, you know, 
um, the, uh, the client. All we really care wow. is that it's an appraisable home. So whenever they find it, they submit a contract to purchase. We close 18 days after the option period ends, um, which, you know, depending on the option period, it's a total of 25, 28 days. And it's, it's very hands-off, you know, from, from our perspective. I've got lead generation. I've got pre-qual people where they disclose terms, costs, and conditions in a confidential conversation. Once they like everything that they hear, then we send them to an independent underwriter and third-party residential mortgage loan originator to actually document their real-world ability to repay. Mm -hmm. Once they give us that information, we give them a pre-approval letter. We send them right back to the agent. They go find a home, and they usually call us you know, two, three, four weeks later when they found the home. They have a contract, and we're ready to close on it. So it's very, very hands-off. So then earlier you talked about IRA money. Um, how are you how are you approaching your investors? Like how do you how do you find them first of all? And then how do you pitch them? And I'm not gonna ask what you're offering them. Yeah. No, I mean I, I have no problem sharing. Um we 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 um we we require a minimum two percent spread. Sure. So we're offering seven percent right now, and mm-hmm. we are uh owner financing at nine percent. Okay. Um I, I have no problem. So, so if anybody out there, you know, has the IRA money, let me know. I'll tell you what you're going to be getting. If you're getting less, then come talk to me. If you're not, then don't talk to me. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, you yeah. know it is what it is. Um, so before COVID, something that we did, that was, that was really, really smart. I, I didn't realize it was smart at the time. And, but, but now I realize how smart it is, is we were uh, doing conventions, medical conventions, where we were setting up booths. Hmm. And that wasn't the smart part. I mean, well, I think that was a little bit smart, but the really smart part is we never offered high returns. That was never our pitch. Our pitch was move your money to a stabilized, predictable, reliable, budgetable return. And of course, a mortgage payment is 100% predictable. You know exactly how much you're going to be getting on a monthly basis. Right. The underlying asset is insured and, um, you know, you're working with your, your, many of these doctors already had rental properties. So we were moving them from being landlords to, to lean lords. Right. So our pitch from the beginning was not, not more, because I think that would have gotten us in trouble. Because most people, you know, if they're quasi smart, they're probably getting 6%, 5%, you know? Yeah. Seven percent. I mean, five to seven percent is not unheard of. You know, if you're just like a doctor and a, a pharmacist, a, a, a normal, you know, nine to five individual that has money in their four hundred one k. Sure. So if I'm going to be offering more, then what am I going to offer? You know, eight percent, nine percent. Well, what does that leave me? Mm-hmm. You know, the only way I could make money was if I pair up the person with the individual buyer, but yeah. I don't want to do that because that cuts me from the spread. And I also don't really want to put pair up non-educated people yep. mm-hmm. with, with fairly complex, you know, situations. So the, the really smart pitch that we did is, is listen, you probably not going to make more, you know, you might make more, but you're probably not going to make more. However, it's going to be a stabilized, predictable, mm-hmm. uh, monthly budgetable return. So we started getting people from the late forties to the early sixties that already had half a million, million, $2 million in their 401ks. And right. they wanted to remove themselves from the volatility of the stock market into something that was a little bit more predictable, 
Um, so are you guys running a fund or are you guys running? No, 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 no. One person, one loan. We, we borrow. Yeah. I know I throw the word investor out there, but no, we borrow money. Okay. Sure. Yeah. We borrow money. So those uh, are we personally guarantee it. We personally guarantee it. Yeah. You know? So what they're saying here, guys, is they're not joint venturing with any of these people. They're actually doing a, a return, guaranteed return on a contract with them. So they're actually doing a borrowing versus the equity. Yes. There's no yes. joint venturing going on yes. at all. Yes. We don't put the money together. Um, we, 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 yeah, that would be, that would fall under SEC, you know, yep. bad people, you know, <laughs> umbrella. <laughs> and we're not, we're not doing that. And, and, and my pitch is real simple. Listen, at the, at the end of the day, Mr. You know, lender, yeah. Mr. Private lender, um, you're going to be getting either your money with interest or you're going to be getting a house, valuable Texas real estate. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. We do personally guarantee our loans. Um, and, and that is part of our pitch. Um, and, and we're totally okay with that with a 20% equity position. Uh, I mean, that's, that's very reasonable for us to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's Have you cool. talked to other people doing this in other States? Texas is such a hotbed for this. And in certain States, these kind of going when the C of D's are going to be pushed out. Um, where this is a little different. This is not a contract deed. This is not a lease option. This is no. a true seller finance duration and you're becoming the bank ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me in Jer- I'm in New Jersey, this is not something that's very often done. And I think it's, you know, the amount of capital needed, um, but also there isn't many seller finance deals that is in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, we don't do wraps up here; just not allowed. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things are just weird. Are, are they are they actually illegal? Are they actually not allowed? From what I've been told, they are. Okay. Um, maybe I would be corrected by one of smart people that I am out there, right? <laughs> but yeah, from what I was told because I tried doing one. They're like, "Oh, you can't do it." Like, oh, and this is about fifteen years ago. Said, okay. Oh, okay. So you know, there's so much leeway in Texas that that these kind of things work out really well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Nathan, there's most states out there that that identify. Um, Colorado, um, more, a yeah. little bit more, um, not going to try to go political, but a little bit more relaxed with stuff. So I think states where there's not judicial are probably a good area that if you're listening to this, guys, and you're thinking about this, you know, as an ethnic method of investing, you don't want to, you don't looking to do it. You can start doing your local inventory and, mm-hmm. and reaching out to your agents and solving the problem that they have that that they want to get commission off of it, off this buyer, but they can't get a loan with them. They can't get a pre-approval. So the, the agent won't work with them. You're going to go work through it, grab it, the situation, pre-approve them, get them in a situation where you can be the lender for them. They go back to the agent and the agent's going to be thanking you and sending you more leads. That process can be repeated over and over again. And I'm and, thinking and about it could the be done. It's, it could be done with contracts for deed as well. Uh, yeah. If I'm just thinking, for example, uh, maybe in Ohio where, well, if you're going 20% down, then that doesn't work. So scratch Ohio, but let's say. Um, so for those of why he's saying that in, in Ohio, when it goes from 20% loan, it becomes um, something you'd have to legally foreclose on. You'd have to you can't foreclosure. Yeah, yeah, so that the, all the advantages of the contract for deed are, are gone mm. so that there's no point in doing it there. But say maybe Missouri, um, you could set up a, a contract for deed in Missouri, um, and then in case of a default, it's just that much easier to get the property back. Now you're in Texas, so getting the property back is not 
a major. I, I can foreclose in 41 days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lethal injection. Me, not, no. <laughs> no. It's, that's a, uh, it's faster than lethal injection, right? It's just, it's quick. Yeah. We can foreclose in 41 days. Uh, yeah. Not that we would, you know, but if we're talking about, you know, bare, bare minimums, we can foreclose well, in 41 in days. Of, just as a backup, bucks. you never know. Yeah. And I have that conversation, you know, with them. That's actually part of, you know, the pre-closing uh, conversations. I let them know that uh, part of the reasons we're comfortable putting the deed in their name is because, um, you know, if they decide not to hold in their end of the bargain, it will uh, be very easy for us to foreclose. I let them know that, you know, in 41 days, and it'll cost you about $900, I can go ahead and foreclose, and I will exercise my right to foreclose mm -hmm. if they are knuckleheads about, you know, holding in the, their end of the bargain. Yeah. So I used to, I used to, uh, I used to do something real mean or in the beginning. Um, I, there, there was a, a taco place right across the street from where they did the foreclosures and uh, downtown. And I would just invite him over, Hey, you know, I want to get to go know you guys before, you know, I lend out all this money. Um, just have a taco with me, you know, my treat. And they would see all these people. And I would just let them know if you guys don't ever pay, this is where your house is going to get foreclosed. Do you see all these people? It happens every, every, every month in Texas. It's called Texas Tuesday. First yeah. Tuesday of the month. First Tuesday of the month. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, $100 Rosa. Yeah. yeah. So for those who are curious, I did put uh, Dan's information on a Google Doc. Just fill out the form um, and we'll share the information. Again, I can't stress it enough. If you're struggling to find deals, um, our assets are, are being a little bit limited compared to years before. Seller finance is a great way to get started and get involved. Um, you don't need to do a $200,000 deal, right? You can qualify someone for a $50,000 mortgage. If your market is top 70, you don't need to go and do the kind of stuff. So right. you can go look at the fact that talk to those local agents and find the bar borrowers. It's that easy. And then you're re, just rewashing it over and over again. And you're solving the problem for both the borrower, then the agent and yourself. And 9% is not unheard of. That's a normal rate for these kind of oh, yeah. high-risk loans. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not Can right. I share something with the, uh, with the audience? Yeah. If, if yeah. they have maybe a lower capital um, yeah. or, or maybe they want to start off with something small. Um, again, check your state. Um, but this is something that, that, that we do. Invest in purchasing uh, small pieces of land, quarter acre, half acre, uh, one acre. That allows mobile homes. That allows mobile homes. And instead of... Uh, owner financing or contracting for deed to the mobile home buyers, just lease them the land. Um, again, every state is different, every market is different, but in, in San Antonio and surrounding, I can buy, you know, a half acre outside the city for, you know, 10, 12, $15,000, and I will lease it to them for $500. So if you convert that to what the interest rate would be if it was a, a, a mortgage payment on a 30 year amortization, it's about an 18 to 20% interest rate. It's wow. phenomenal returns. Yeah. Now check with your mobile home dealerships, but most, you don't have to put the utilities. Most mobile home dealerships, when they approve somebody for a, a mobile home loan and they don't qualify for the land purchase or they don't, or they don't have um, uh, enough, enough money for a land purchase, they will approve them for the home and they will approve them for the utilities. So the dealerships will put utilities and upgrade your land. Now there is a catch and this is a catch you're gonna love. They're gonna require a 21 year lease. 
So can you imagine buying, you know, a five, 10, $15,000 little piece of land and having a guaranteed tenant for 21 years? And mind you, you don't have to lock in the, the rent payment for the 21 years. It can be fully escalating. As a matter of fact, ours have an escalation clause of minimum 5% per year. So we know it's going to be increasing in the, the, the rent payment, a minimum of 5% per year. The dealerships are putting in the utilities into the land. And we know we have a 21-year tenant. Um, the, the only reason it would be less than 21 years is if they pay it off sooner. So if they pay it off sooner and they want to um, move the mobile home, they can't. But basically, that's an absolute set it and forget it. And you can start off with the small amount of money. Yep. Wow. That's very cool. So if you're in the Midwest or you know Midwest areas, um, it's, that's an awesome idea to do, guys. Um, we're sitting before Colorado. In that Midwest strand, Texas, of course, Alabama, Tennessee, is such an awesome market for this kind of thing. And there's so many rural areas yeah. um, that, you know, trailer homes are common. And that's a, a normal thing for a lot of people where, you know, where we come from or my, my area, trail parks are very rare. They just, they are. Um, but in those areas where it's rural cold. Ohio, yeah, yeah, that's true. It, rural Ohio's and Colorado and Montana, that is common, right? In yeah. yeah, Texas, and you can, Kentucky, all these companies, and you can literally buy that land, do a lease option, make a payment arrangement for them, and they will be paying you. They take care of everything else. There is no reliability on you at all. I mean, it's just that kind of weirdness. Um, There's very little that can go wrong with renting dirt. A few things can go wrong, but very little that can go wrong with renting dirt. Yeah. So what happens if the borrower doesn't like mow the lawn and the city leans on it? Is that fall on you or fall on that borrower? So good, good question. Um, first of all, the zonifications that allow mobile homes are usually not in any city incorporated area. So that's probably not, not going to happen. Um, secondly, in the lease agreement, it does say that they have to, you know, uphold and, 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 yeah. um, you know, and, and make sure that the lawn is mowed and, and all that good stuff. Um, what is really nice is what happens if they stop making the mortgage payment on the, on the mobile home. So presumably if they stop making the mortgage payment on the mobile home, presumably they're also going to stop making the rent payment. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine they're going to be making the rent payment <laughs> on the land and, and not the rent payment. Well, this is where it gets really fun because you're going to get a call from the lender and they're going to let you know that they've stopped receiving uh, payments from the, um, from, from, from the borrower. And many times, many times, because banks and lending institutions do not want to deal with a mobile home, they will offer you to pick up the loan subject to the existing finance. Mm -hmm. So they'll just pass on the loan to you if you wanted it. So there's a lot of people that, that want to pick up property subject to the existing financing, but they're scared to do on sale clause. Well, with, with real estate, you got the lenders coming to you and say, hey, do you just want to finish this loan? Like, I'm okay. I, I will let you do it. I will, I will transfer. I, I'll do whatever. Because otherwise, otherwise, mobile homes are personal property. Mm -hmm. yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, they belong to the bank because it's personal property. They don't belong to the borrower until the loan is paid off. So if the lease isn't, and again, this is just in Texas. I, I don't know other states, consultant attorney, blah, blah, blah. That's my disclosure. Um, but in Texas, what we can do is if you don't get the lease payment, then the, um, 
tenant has 30 days to move their crap, which includes their mobile home. Right. Now, if they don't move their crap, which includes their mobile home, then you can go to the lender and say, hey, by the way, you're the actual owner of the mobile home. You either have to start paying storage fees <laughs> or you got to pay rent or you got 30 days to move your crap. In which case the conversation usually turns around and says, hey, would you like to just you know, get this mobile home and continue making payments? I mean, it's a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game with, with small dollars that, you, that a lot of people yeah. can start playing with. Yeah, cool. awesome strategy. So uh, guys, I did, like I said, I posted uh, the form in air, so feel free to fill it out. If you see us later, we'll make sure we'll make it available for those who missed it. Nathan, what do you think about this strategy? It's so cool to think about this alternative method that I didn't even think about for years. Yeah, that's interesting. It's I've got actually one lady. Um, it's a lady who I had, she was a land contract in Columbus, Ohio, and she got bought out, uh, which turned out to be a great thing for her. It gave her a nice little nest egg and uh, house prices are going up in the neighborhood, all that. And so she, she paid me off and had this money and she calls me every few months and asks if I have a, a house for her. And she wow. wants to, to rent from me or to, you know, buy a house from me. And I'm just not set up that way. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't quite work for me, but uh, she'll contact me every few months. And what state is she in? She's in Ohio, uh, but she'd be happy to go to North Carolina or <laughs> Ohio or Kentucky. She's totally open. I'm How does she feel about Texas? <laughs> it wouldn't be a $300,000 home. It would be, yeah. you know, 50. Um, what is your uh, what's your average home sale? Three twenty. Okay. Yeah, I will do anything from one fifty. Um, I, I I say one point two just because we've done a one point two, but I think we only have one over a million. Um, yeah. But but we have quite a bit in the three hundred thousand dollar range. Quite a bit. Cool. And, and I think. Question. Yeah, go ahead. Here's sure. a question. Um, what kind of land qualifies to have a mobile? home on them and typically what returns can we expect so those are two questions uh it has to be zoned for mobile homes so uh, again you got to go to your county or to your state uh, in texas it's got to have a zonification of mh mobile home or it's got to have a zoning of ocl outside city limits so if it's got those two you know it'll uh it'll it'll work i, I guess every county or state is probably different on uh, hmm. on what they do have to allow mobile homes so it's, it's not like um, you can put a mobile home in the middle of the city if it's zoned residential. Any random residential lot. Yeah, be, yeah. yeah uh, ask, ask me how I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> welcome to the wonderful world of making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, expensive ones too. So and Leon, then, uh, Leon, just real oh, quick, uh, the, uh, you want to know more about how to do these deals in Texas? Um, mobile homes? If you fill out the uh, form, you're going to get Dan's information. Feel free to reach out to him. He has a very, very active social media as well. Um, so feel free to reach out to him. Great guys, you can tell. Um, definitely a different avenue to explore on. But yeah, you could definitely do this in Texas as he's doing it. I wouldn't say that he's monopolized the entire oh, no. state. Oh, no. So no, no. reach out to your local agents and start working on it, Leon. Uh, but definitely a cool idea for you to get started on this avenue. You know, just connect with it. You can call the underwriter. I'm not sure who Dan uses, uh, but you can use call the underwriter and pre-approve these people. 
just someone that's pre, you know, NMLS approved that can create these loans and whatnot. So you want to stay above board when it comes to the originations, you want to stay above board because the penalties are very stiff. Yeah. So stiff, you got to go to Canada if you break them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm kidding. It's awesome. So what year did you start doing these kind of things? Did you start unwrapping this idea? So I, I think for me, I've always had a creative uh, mind and I've, I've always had a philosophy of there's probably nothing new under the sun. I mean, as, as, as smart as we want to tell ourselves that we are, <laughs> we're probably not going to be the inventor of anything new. That, that's just the yep. statistical truth. Um, so for me, it's, it's more like what has already been done, but hasn't been exploited. Mm. So, so what has already been done, but, but hasn't been exploited. Now, specifically with mobile homes, I, I did have the advantage of, I used to be manager for Palm Harbor Homes. You know, so one of the things that really had a big impact on me, and I, I don't know if you guys know this, but about 40% of Warren Buffett's wealth has been made on the backs of the mobile home industry. Wow. So he owns, and I love sharing this story. He owns Clayton Homes, which is the number two dealership in the country. So he owns the factory. He then owns 21st Mortgage, which is the number one lender of mobile homes in the country. About 80% of all mobile home loans wow. are under 21st Mortgage. So he owns the financing. And then he owns Sun Communities and Guest Communities, which combined um, are the number one largest uh, manufactured home park portfolio in the country. They own together about 70% of all of the communities that mobile homes, at least the nicer communities, not, not the mom and pop, but like the nicer that have like swimming pools and tennis courts and jogging trails and beautiful yeah. communities. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, this homeboy owns the factory. He owns the financing product and he owns the land that his, that his homes are going to be put in. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I did the math one time. So a typical mobile home that sells at a mobile home dealership for $80,000, the dealership will buy it from the factory for about 35,000, a little less than half. Mm -hmm. Now in the factory, it costs them about half that to make. Sure. So when you're thinking about a cost basis of like 20,000 that you are then financing at a hundred thousand, and you are putting them into your land that you're charging 450, 500, 550 a month yeah. in rent. I mean, those numbers, no wonder he's like the richest guy in the world. Yeah. And nobody knows that he's involved in mobile home dealer and, and mobile home yeah. uh, industry. I, I, don't, I don't think I knew at all. Yeah. So when I was at, at Palm Harbor Homes and I, I, I learned that, I was like, I, you know, just, you don't need to yeah. reinvent the wheel. You just got to figure out where the wheel's at and how the wheel works, <laughs> you know, and go get yourself a wheel. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so before I go to Nathan, quick, so when they were asking, what is the, okay, Sonia wanted to just clarify, what's a typical investment and what kind of returns to buy and lease land for mobile home? Um, so the return is tied to whether or not you're going to lease option it or owner finance it or, or, uh, or uh, lease it. Um, if you're going to be owner financing it, your typical yields are anywhere between 20 to 22%. Uh, 
because you're going to be buying, let's say at 10, $15,000 and the sell price is going to be, you know, 25, $30,000, 18% interest rate because it's land, it's vacant land. You can do that. So your yield is going to be in the 22, 23, 24, 25% range. However, if you're going to be leasing it, your returns are easily in the 30% range because it's never going to end. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. It. Yeah. And then of course, what's the impact on your assets when all of a sudden $20,000 worth of improvements, water, electric, and septic have been done to your land? I mean, that's, it's, it's just a no brainer. The numbers are phenomenal. The percentage numbers are phenomenal. But I would say, I land. guess the problem is, is the rarity of finding it, right? The deals are yeah. great. No, okay. no, no, no. I, I mean, nobody, how many people do you know are looking? What's your competition? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think we've ever had a mobile home in our portfolio. Nathan, how about yourself? I have uh, twice and I'm not interested in mobile homes. And, and again, <laughs> that's just my business model because I'm looking to yeah. resell it. So because I'm looking to resell, uh, because it's not attached yeah, to Yeah, mobile that, homes uh, is, not, is not an asset that works well for any kind of, of reselling, note, note yeah. selling, uh, yeah. contract selling situations. Yeah. Nobody so they don't work for them. me, but... Yeah, I they're a great holding model. Yes. They're a great yeah. holding model. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, which is the same as the second. Uh, yep. And if you're into the hold, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a fantastic model. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I mean, the whole methodology of that kind of stuff is, you know, and there may be a way of playing it, you know, I'm sure there's funds out, uh, out there doing this kind of method. Um, sure. I don't know them, but yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm at the end of the day, you know, I imagine, you know, once you have a 21 year lease, that's pretty solid paper. You can probably take yeah. it to the bank and recycle your capital, get a loan against it. I mean, yeah, we, we don't cause we, we bought them for 10, 12, 15. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. not, uh, <laughs> yeah. sure. it's probably more, more trouble to, you know, get yeah. loans against them. Yeah. But, um, Amazing. But from a return perspective, it's like, yeah, yeah. I know some so, guys that trade in mobile home parks, but not individual. Yeah. Well, that parks would be the next step there. up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Parks would be the next step up. Although, by what I have seen, at least in Texas, there's some pretty. There's a lot of capital being infused into it. So, mm -hmm. uh, you're. I'm starting to see 8% cap rates, 9% cap rates in mobile home parks. Mm -hmm. And that's too rich for my blood. I, sure. I mean, yeah. um, that does not get me excited um, yeah. at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, Dan, I think the information you shared for those of people who are looking for an alternative way of investing, maybe even a passive way of investing, um, but especially those who are getting started, this avenue to even explore. And let's let's also throw the catch out there. If you find an asset and you get nervous about this, you know, Dan has a course as well, but you can pitch this deal to Dan and say, listen, I'm not, I don't want to buy it. I did all the homework. Here you go. I don't know what to do. This is yours. You can broker this stuff. Dan, do you buy these kind of things where someone has a great deal and they're scared, nervous? Uh, only three times it? a month. <laughs> right so guys yeah, if it's in texas for sure yeah right so explore that option for people who are out there that yes we don't do a lot of brokering we talk poorly about it but if you do all the homework and you get all everything set up reach out to dan or anyone else that does this kind of stuff and you yeah. can get that sweet situation 
and get a nice little paycheck out of it too. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, Dave, I'm a big fan of learning how to negotiate seller financing. I, I think that learning how to negotiate seller financing is probably the best way to get your feet into actually owning, owning real estate. And uh, I know you did mention, I have a course for those who are asking, it's like less than 300 bucks and it's 10 hours. So yeah. don't think that this is like a pitch for a $30,000 mentorship <laughs> or anything like that. It's, it's 300 bucks. Um, it's, it's completely, you know, recorded. Um, I've got a Facebook group that, that people can yeah. you know, kind of join and get their questions answered. Um, but what it focuses on is how to negotiate seller finance transactions. And I've got students awesome. there that come back to me and they're like, Dan, I pitched it exactly the way you told me. I got it zero down, 0% interest, 15 year. That can't no be balloons, possible. No, that can't be possible. <laughs> and I, t- I tell them that can't be possible. How did I miss it? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's, that's super, super exciting. So for, I'm going to presume a lot of the people here are brand new. Is this something for an inexperienced investor yes. to get into? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, a, a lot of, a lot of, and I don't know your audience, but a lot of people start wholesaling. And to me, wholesaling is, is um, obviously a high reward, no risk situation, but it, it doesn't, and I'm sorry if I've offended anybody in this audience, but it does not make you an investor. An investor is when your name is on real estate or real assets, whether it's real or paper. When your name is on something, then you become an investor. Mm -hmm. And seller financing, negotiating seller financing is an excellent avenue for you to morally, ethically, and legally tell people, I buy real estate. Never mind the fact that it was 0% down, 0% interest. Never mind that. I bought real estate. I own real estate. I'm involved in real estate. I'm a real estate buyer and investor. And I may end up wholesaling your property, but because I now own real estate, I can now confidently say that I am a buyer. I am a buyer. And I think everyone should do that. That's really, you're never going to get out of the transactional uh, one-time money rat race uh, unless you start owning something that pays you on a regular basis. And then once you buy it, you can do whatever you want. You can Airbnb it. You can rent it. You can own or finance it. You can, if you still want to sell the contract, I will buy it. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you can do with it. Wow. Yeah, very cool. So many nuggets, my man. Dan, I appreciate your wealth of knowledge as well as you share everything. I, I'm grateful to call you a friend. It's awesome to hear from you. Um, the nuggets you dropped today, I'm sure people will be writing down, re-listening to it. Um, but guys, jump in and get started, right? So <clears throat> it's amazing, but just to let everyone know, um, the next two weeks will be off. Uh, Nathan and I, I will be uh, vacationing with my family um, in Puerto Rico. So if you're down there, reach out to I. And um, I don't know how but, to work Facebook, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, I, and it's been crazy. Sorry, the feed's been a little crazy. My internet's been wacky today, but guys, I, I think I brought Dan on for a reason. Um, and I wanted to get this started before I went on vacation. <laughs> Um, we have a few more things that we're teeing up for when I get back. Um, so feel free to rewatch this on our YouTube channel or our website, our, our Facebook group and all the other places we have everything else. But feel free to reach out and talk to, to Dan directly. He is well open to talk to anyone out there. 
um, has a great group as well. So Dan, again, I appreciate your time, your energy. Honor's all mine. You're willing to share. Man, it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And Thank if anybody's you. got anything that they want to talk about, anything they want us to talk yes. about, floor, any topics you want us to bring up or bring on, um, bring in additional guests and whatnot, feel free to let us know and we'll, uh, yep. we'll work our magic and uh, get someone on here and topics we want to learn. I want to know when real estate will become affordable in Canada. <laughs> when it warms up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, the worst part about Dan, IRAs. They don't have self-directed IRAs up there. Oh, We've got a version God. of it, but you can only use it to buy publicly traded uh, something. Publicly. It has to be publicly traded. Wow. So if you don't mind asking me real quick, and I know, I know yeah. you got to take off, but, but Nathan, what do you think, how, how do people afford, um, you know, the prices in, in Canada? I have no idea. We bought our house 15 years ago for 175000 Today, we, we just last year did a major renovation. So that's something, but today, probably seven fifty. So, so is it, is it because interest rates are, are super low? Because I, I mean, that's kind of what, what's driving prices up, up, up here, down here, but what it's driving part of up it. here. Yeah, that's part of it. I don't know. Canada's kind of a funky little corner. And then, it, and you know, it's regional as well. And so like we're right where I'm at, we're just outside of Montreal. And, and uh, we're just looking this morning, my wife and I just looking at a neighborhood, just comparing but uh you know a three-in-one bungalow uh just one street over for from us they did a renovation last year where they added on a sunroom which mm -hmm. is really nice it's pretty but the house is really nothing special and it's listed for six hundred thousand dollars like wow. it's, it's ridiculous it's ridiculous yeah hopefully i'll burst soon and that leads to the question so nathan asked the question at the end of every week yeah <laughs> you've got your crystal ball on what do you see in six months or a year uh bro i don't know i i i i'm not <laughs> smart enough big enough knowledgeable enough deep pocketed enough um to to you know know what the markets i i do see um that the u.s in general is uh in some sort of hyperinflation situation um, I was reading that, um, and, and it's little things that you don't really catch. Like, for example, there's a guy that uh, he sells street tacos and we, we go at least once a week. Real nice guy. <laughs> San Antonio is a little different, you know. Um, and he was telling me that, like, for example, a box of barbacoa meat, he would buy it for $65 three months ago. It's $450 right now. A box of bacon was, you know, $85. Everything was under $100, $85, and now it's $380. Cheese, wow. you know, was $110 four months ago, and it's now $600. And, um, you know, lumber prices are just Lumber's ridiculous. Three to $9. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, but even more subtle things like steel, salt, sugar, uh, corn, just, just very, very subtle, but very basic flour staple items are skyrocketing and the consumer's not feeling it because it, it's, it's the right. prices. Consumers are buying from the, from the big box grocery stores and the big box grocery stores, they still have a certain presence where they're able to force, you know, the, the, the main, you know, wholesaler distributors 
to, to maintain a certain level of pricing, but it's like the small restaurants, the, the, the mid, you know, that are really feeling the hit. And eventually it's going to, it's going to, you know, boil over to, to the grocery stores. But, you know, we saw this in Venezuela. We saw this in Mozambique. We saw this in, and, and how long is it going to take? I, I don't, I don't know, but um, things are not see, going well. Do you see a bubble? You see a bubble? No, it's not a bubble. It's not a bubble. I don't think it's a bubble in, in the traditional sense. I, I think, I think the U.S. and and the fiat currency that the U.S. is is under is mm. is imploding, you know. And I see the collapse oh. of a civilization, not not in six months, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, but um, I gotta get the football season. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean we're we're talking about a, a, a yes. you know global uh, collapse of a civilization. And, Which brings uh, the topic of Bitcoin and all that kind of good stuff coming yeah, up. Right? Yeah, and it, but yeah. you're right though. You know, we've had the conversation with a lot of people, and everyone's like, "Well, you know, even a year ago, we're heading to a bubble, right?" And yeah. the bubble keeps getting bigger. I don't think bigger. it's a bubble. I don't think it's a bubble. Yeah, it may be the new way of life. It's just what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I did you know see like for example, um, hyperinflation in Venezuela uh, okay. during during the final collapse you could buy bread in the morning and it would be more expensive in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, that kind, oh, holy you know, goodness. like the price would increase from the moment you picked it up on the shelf to the moment you went to the cash register pay. Mm. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Mm. I saw it in Mexico, um, you know, during, you know, the late 1980s. And uh, of course, what happened after that, after that, that minor mid collapse, the cartel took over you know so we'll see what happens but in the next six months i'm buying deals so if you got something i got it <laughs> i will buy it with awesome. that we're gonna disconnect from facebook guys feel free yeah. to watch on youtube and all that good stuff but uh again enjoy your weekend and have a great time my man have a great awesome. one been a pleasure so thank much. you so much dave thank you so much Nathan. so Take dan care. we're off air um okay. if you need funding and all that stuff feel free i don't know if you have funding back or all stuff i'm sure there's people out there Sure. That may be another angle. You know, I know some bigger funds are looking for that avenue angle too because hard money lending is low. I mean, 8%, 7% is ridiculous right now. Mm-hmm. Where it was 14.2 when we got first started in 2011. Um, so take a look so at as that. Long, as long as there is, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, and I, I appreciate, you know, you yeah. mentioning that. Um, as So my thing is, as long as there uh, okay, looking at, at uh, long-term capital placement. Um, I don't like to look at anything under 10 years. So 30-year amortization um, and a balloon, you know, no sooner. Most of our people, again, are, are just doctors, surgeons, yep. pharmacists, and they actually are thankful, that's the pitch, that we put their money to work for 30 years. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that from, from a spreadsheet perspective, it might not necessarily work for a hedge fund, but if, if there's hedge fund money, you know, that, um, you know, we've, we've got the capability right now, we're borrowing about 1.2 to 1.5 every 28 days. Wow. So that's our current uh, yeah. capability. Um, okay. I'm sure if, if there is additional capital, you know, we, we could place it. Um, we're borrowing at 7%, we're borrowing uh, 30 year amortization, no balloons, no prepayment penalties. Um, uh, we are personally guaranteeing them, which I, I don't know if hedge funds care about that, but um, yeah. I know 
you know doctors do <laughs> you know because yeah. they don't know what the hell they're doing yeah um, sure yeah so i don't know if you know of any of any hedge funds who would be looking at long-term capital placement that way i know most of them are kind of short-term yeah i'm gonna i'll be when i'm in puerto rico my good friend who moved out there for the tax purposes he has his own fund and he's buying you know big complexes and stuff like that buying you know 20 100 unit buildings with that some i know he's mentioned the the, the mobile park idea mm-hmm. to just get a bigger uh-huh. size <laughs> but if you know he can place money in, in multiple situations where he can you know give out a million dollars consideration and say okay get that to work you know i don't know what rates he's looking for but i know that you know he's giving out i think it's seven eight percent He's, you know, doing some of that as returns for the, the people getting their money in. Maybe I'll take six. some of that, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think he's doing six to his investors. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, nine is easy for them to kind of manipulate. Yeah. But keep in mind, nine is for us. Okay. We, we pay seven. Okay. Yeah. We, so, we yeah. have a 2% split. So now, if we're talking so. about seasoned investors, now we're talking about, you know, seasoned, seasoned investors and they want to be the direct lender, you yeah. know, um, that, that's a different conversation. I mean, yeah. we can definitely, you know, have that, that conversation the way. I, I know if up. we're, we're having a few drinks, I'm sure he'll, this will probably come up and he'll, yeah. you know, see what his thoughts are. There, there's a, there's a gentleman, um, and I, and I think he has a, a small hedge fund. I think it's probably more of a family and a friend and family hedge fund. Um, that what I set up with him and I feel comfortable with him because he, he seemed, yep. you know, knowledgeable and, and, and okay, is we made him the direct uh, lender. So, so technically abiding, yep. you know, by Dodd-Frank Safe Act, well, it falls on him and he's owner financing at nine. And all we're doing is, is uh, while the loan is in place, uh, we're getting a half percentile uh, management fee. monthly yeah well not even management because it's it's he, he's doing everything basically gotcha. a, a, a fee for setting it up oh um, okay you know just a, just a fee for setting like it a up. broker kind of thing okay. yeah I, I guess you know that that's probably one way to look at it uh, yeah. instead of a cash payment it's it's a it's a half percentile so he's netting so i think he's netting 8.75 because at the time we uh he loaned it out at, or we loaned it, out, or we loaned his money out at 9.5. Okay. So I think his was seven, eight, 8.75. So I'm, I'm open this, with that if, if it's yeah. yeah, experience. Are you using one M- NMLS or are you using multiple to kind of spread apart or how are you, who? who so it's being underwritten. Yeah, it's yeah. being underwritten. Do, do you know Sally? I'm, I'm sorry, not Sally. Um, Sarah Montes, Texas Pride Lending? No. No, she's no. pretty active in Texas in, okay. in originating um, owner finance um, transactions. So she does her underwriting. And um, what's the last name? Sarah Montes, M O N T E S. Let's see if I, if I have an email or anything from her at all. If not, Google her. I mean, Texas Pride. Yeah, Wyoming. I see. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's, uh, it's a third party. I do have an MLS, but but only for for me having it. It's not used for anything. Gotcha. Um, it's not used for anything. Very cool. Yeah, see her. Yeah, no, awesome. Cool cat. Um, but um, but yeah, for the most part, we we work with individuals that 
kind of want the easy button. They want hands off. Yep. They they want, um, you know. So we're what's attracted to is they don't have to be, you know, um, what's called accredited investors. Which they is don't have totally to be. Key. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't have to be accredited investors. Well, technically, they're not investors. They're they're lenders. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they don't have to be accredited investors. They, I think it's a very easy to understand process. Yeah. Lend me money. This is what I'm going to do with it. This is where it's going to go. You're going to get either your money with interest or you're going to get a house. Uh, Worst case scenario. And don't bank on the house. You're not getting the house. You're getting your money with interest. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure of that. Um, So it's, it's a, it's not hard to, and because it's a single family asset, it's, it's, um, you know, we don't put their money to work. Like on mobile homes, we don't do that. On land, we don't do that because they don't understand it. Sure. Yeah. You know, so single family homes, people understand it. You yeah. Know? And, yes. and they know where their money is, is, yeah. uh, is yeah. going. You know, they know where their money is at. So, so to speak. Amazing, Amazing man. So, well, cool. I appreciate your hour oh, and a well. half. Oh man, Good. no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you know, the platform and being here and uh, you're, you're always welcome in, in the group. Yeah. I don't know if you necessarily get value out of our group, you know, but you know a bunch of knuckleheads you, and newbies, you, but <laughs> you know what, you, you always learn something, even next to a knucklehead, you know, you always yeah. learn something. Always. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, we always say, my wife always says, why are you sitting at the bar? That person, you never know who you sit next to, even if they're a loser, they have information that you don't have. And you never know what they know, who they know, and what can they bring a value to. It's amazing what you do and just talk to people. Yeah. You listen. It's funny you say that because I was, so I think we all go through our growth phases. And I did about nine months of reading, researching, YouTubing, you know, in my office from Palm Harbor Homes. And at some point I said, okay, I need to put this into action. I don't know how. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, law of attraction and law of the universe and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like you, you know, I always go to a bar and I always make it a habit. Meet the person to the right, meet the person to the left. Yeah. And I, I met this guy, super cool cat. And I, what I liked about him is that it was 1.30 in the afternoon and he was drinking with his girlfriend slash wife. I, I didn't know who she was at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're pretty relaxed. It's like Tuesday or Wednesday. You're probably a business owner because who's drinking at 1.30 in the afternoon? Uh, let me talk to you. And I talked to him and his pitch was I buy houses and borrow money. And I was like, (laughs) okay, uh, well, I don't have any money to lend you home. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did, but that's not what I want to talk about. I'm like, well, tell me what's all buying houses. And he had already had a few beers and he says, look, bro, there's way too many people. I want to know my secrets. Um, I I just, I have a test. Uh, Do you know what a bandit sign is? I'm like, yeah, I work at Palm Harbor Homes. That's, we use them all the time. He's like, oh, well, okay. Go ahead and put your phone number and I, I buy houses and, and on 100 bandit signs. And when you've done that, come back and talk to me. He goes, and, and I'm going to find out where you put them at. I was yeah. like, okay. I went back it's to the office test. and I told the guys, I'm like, hey guys, we're doing different bandit signs this week. Uh, <laughs> they're yeah. like, why does it say I buy houses? Shut up and start writing. Yeah. So I buy houses, put my phone number. Put him, called him two days later. And I said, 100 bandit signs are up, now what? He's like, you didn't put 100 bandit signs up. I'm like, yeah, I did. No, you did it. I'm like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, let's go drive. I'll go pick you up right now. 
So we were driving. I'm like, see that one? That one's mine. You see that one? That one's mine. You see that one? That one's mine. After like the fifth one, he's like, oh my God, nobody's ever actually done this. <laughs> he goes, that's like my, 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 um, what is it? Filter to, yeah, my, my filter to, to weed people out from stopping bothering me. Yeah. And he's the one who taught me about uh, the concept of purchasing with seller financing. Because I, 